and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Good evening or good morning or good afternoon or whatever time you're listening to it. For me, it's evening. <laughs> good evening and welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and welcome to ESSR Central. I'm Ross McLeod, joined by someone who's also recording in the evening, David Hockney. David, how are you? How do, how do? It's uh, it's nice to be back. You know, I've been, uh, been away uh, being busy with all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, a lot of stuff coming up, uh, including David versus Scott in the latest edition of Quiz Showdown. That comes out on our YouTube channel this Sunday. So if you want to, after a week full of wrestling pay-per-views, you want to unwind with a wee quiz, Sunday, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet YouTube channel, you know where to find it. And of course, as always, a massive back catalogue on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. All good ones. If we're not on it, it's not a good one. Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, you'll find our massive back catalogue of reviews, previews, interviews, and all the news. And, of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And get involved in the conversation, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. Over 500 members there. Get involved in all the conversation, including Campbell's question, which we'll be asking at the end of this podcast. Now, Dave... um, a big, big week uh, for wrestling pay-per-views. We've got TNA Bound for Glory coming up on Saturday. We've got WWE Crown Jewel uh, coming up this Thursday. That's going to be most of our focus. Um, two, two big pay-per-views, WWE back in Saudi Arabia and, of course, TNA's biggest show of the year. They're going to have some... They're going to have a big crowd expected at Samstown, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, a good week for the wrestling. Mm, yeah, it's anything, you know, if you want, you know, major promotions or something a little bit more down to earth, you know, you've got everything uh, that, that a wrestling fan needs, you know, everything from uh, controversial pay-per-views galore to probably another resurgence of Impact Wrestling over its last like 20 odd years or so. But yeah, it's, it's gonna There's going to be something for everybody. That's for sure. There is indeed. And of course, we'll start with Crown Jewel, as that is at time of recording tomorrow, at time of release, it's later on today. Mm-hmm. Um, or hey, you might be listening to this on Friday, it might have already happened. Let us know how it went. Um, <laughs> the main story leading into this one Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, featuring Paul Heyman. Now, you might think we've seen this before, but now heading into this one, Brock Lesnar's the face, Roman's the unstoppable heel champion. Paul Heyman's in Roman Reigns' corner, but Brock Lesnar's putting a bit of doubt on that, and it's been quite the storyline so far. Yeah, it certainly has. And, you know, see if you were to look at this back in 2018, you think, oh, God, not again. Like, that would have been my impression of it. You know, like, SummerSlam that year, it was like, right, just just give Roman the title now and just be done with this this 18-month dragged-out story for, for so long. But... This time around, you know, it's all changed. You know, Roman's in the the prime of his career. Lesnar's, you know, come back with a, a new look, a new attitude. Almost like shades of his face run in 2002 to 2003. So it's definitely an interesting dynamic. And of course, the X factor that is Paul Heyman, it's made for some brilliant storytelling. And 
I think this is probably, I hope it just doesn't, I hope it gets a good solid five to 10 minutes because I don't want this to be a, a one and done in the space of, you know, two minutes and it's, and it's over. Yeah, I'm thinking the same here. I think um, back in 2018 it was, oh God, not again, this never ending, you know, push to make Roman Reigns the Superman of WWE. But thankfully we've moved on from that. Roman Reigns is as interesting as he's ever been. He is an absolute superstar in the world of wrestling right now. Brock Lesnar, always entertaining. You always get that section of support that does support him anyway. So, you know, having him play a face, not a face, but like a, just a a tweener, a, just a, a badass who goes in and does what he wants. Mm-hmm. It's quite an interesting turn. And um, it was WWE on BT Sports that tweeted this. Um, Paul Heyman tweeted a photo of Brock versus Roman and he said I'll be leaving Saudi Arabia with the universal champion but he didn't say who he'd be leaving with mm-hmm. they put they put a wee bit of doubt there um, obviously Saudi Arabia we've seen before that you know the Saudi prince has demanded certain people go there WWE have had things like the Fiend winning the universal championship there uh, Brock Lesnar won his third universal champion sorry his second Universal Championship there, mm-hmm. and there's always yet, the, there was a sorry. time where they there was a time where they wanted Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior to show up. Well, you know, anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. But back to my point, <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Do you think there's any chance he's walking out with the title this Thursday, or is the reign of the big dog going to continue? Uh. I have to sort of lean more towards Roman on this one, but I don't think it will be without controversy because, you know, Brock, this will be his first match back since WrestleMania 36 the year prior. Uh, so it, it would be weird to have him lose his first match back, but then again, just look at Extreme Rules 2012 against John Cena. So it's... He did lose his first match back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it certainly would be an interesting curveball if the if Brock did walk away as champion because at the minute, you know, Roman's only ever beaten Brock once in a one-on-one concept. And yeah, I think but I think Roman's the favorite going into it because I think he it needs to be I think it needs to go all the way to WrestleMania his title run at the very least. Fair enough. And that leads us to the other world championship, the WWE Championship. Over on Raw, Drew McIntyre heading to SmackDown. Is he going to take the WWE title with him as he takes on newly minted WWE champion, Big E? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not very much invested in this one because Drew's obviously on his way to SmackDown. Big E's on Raw with the WWE title. Roman Reigns, Universal Champion on SmackDown. It, it's a no-brainer. It's, I think Big E's going to be winning this one for his after his his first sort of major pay-per-view title defense because obviously he beat Bobby Lashley in the steel cage, but that was on Raw. But this will be his first sort of major pay-per-view defense and going over former two-time champion Drew, I think that'll be a massive rub for Big E. And Drew has got nothing to lose. You know, he's he's sort of there or thereabouts on Raw now. So him going to SmackDown is a completely fresh start for him. So I don't think either guy, you know, uh, loses out, you know, given this result. Yeah, I I agree. I think um, I've seen a lot of people complaining. Oh God, Drew! You know he's waited till Lashley's lost the title, and now he's back in the hunt. Well, he's not going to win it, at least. 
I say that, right? Obviously, David, I, we were going to talk about this on Saturday before I slept through my alarm and didn't appear on Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> um, I have Big E on my draft team, David Campbell, as Roman Reigns. Drew, Drew this is Drew McIntyre, sorry. I am sat first, he's sat second. Um, for him, it is must win. For me, it is must not lose. Um, so a draw will do me. And I have this niggling feeling that the Saudi prince is going to want a title change. And WWE are going to give him two. And with Brock Lesnar being a free agent, he'll be the Raw champion. He'll be the Universal champion. And Drew McIntyre will go to SmackDown as the WWE champion. It's just a niggling feeling I can't shake. I'm never confident going into these Saudi shows. Mm, but, sorry, if, they are, if they are going to do a title change, I think there's only one championship that I think is almost guaranteed to change hands. And it's not neither of the world title matches. Fair enough. I think I know the one you're talking about, but I also have a, a fantasy booking theory about that. You know, case. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do, yep. Um, but yeah, I think... I'm not entirely confident Big E's going to win. If he does win, I think it's a big win. You know, it's like when when people beat like the Big Show when they first become champion. You knew Big Show was never going to win, but you know it was nice to get that win. Oh, I beat the Big Show. You know, you beat an established guy, first title defense under the belt, mm-hmm. um, and we know it won't drag on because one way or another, one's going to SmackDown, one's going to Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised it's not been dubbed as Big E versus Big D. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Honestly, Biggie's reaction when he said that just summed it up entirely. I mean, considering it's slang for something else, I, I don't blame Biggie, but... Um, <laughs> I know exactly what it means. Uh, a blood feud in WWE is something we rarely see, uh, and Seth Rollins has been getting very good at having them. Um, Seth Rollins v Edge, Hell in a Cell, seven years in the making... The third match of the series, Hell in a Cell being trotted out in October yet again, but for all the right reasons this time. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm absolutely buzzing for this match. Yeah, same. Like, SmackDown is just leading the charge when it comes to telling good stories here because you've obviously got Roman and Brock in the sort of main championship match. But as you said, this is a, a blood feud that's been going on since 2014. Obviously, Edge couldn't compete back then, but... When they do, when they did finally square off one on one, they just got the ball rolling and they've kept it going since well before, like since around Extreme Rules actually. So it's been going on best part of four months now. Uh yeah, and I think this is this is exactly what Hell in a Cell was made for. It was the the culmination of a blood feud that's gotten so personal that it's the only way to settle differences. It's not a get. It's not supposed to be. Uh, oh, let's just do a bunch of Hell in a Cell matches in October because it's what the gimmick pay-per-view demands. No, this is how Hell in a Cell is meant to be used. But I just hope that, you know, Rollins can redeem himself from the last Hell in a Cell match he had because that goes down as one of the single worst matches in WWE history. Yeah, when you've got Sean Waltman on, on WWE ran programming yelling... How is there a DQ in a Hell in a Cell? How is it an openly shitting on it? Mm-hmm. That's when you know it's bad. Yeah, like people will not even attempt to defend it. It is that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, Edge. Um, he's not really won many feuds since he came back. You know, he had the Randy Orton feud. He lost the backlash match. 
he then had a sort of just throwaway match on Raw. I don't think they ended that feud the way they wanted to, but they had to just move on. Mm-hmm. He didn't beat Roman Reigns, not once. You know, not in a tag match, not in a triple threat, not in a singles match. He didn't get one win over Roman Reigns in that feud. He's one and one with Seth Rollins. Do you think this is going to be like like the final match in the chapter? Do you think Edge is going to get the win? Or do you think because Seth Rollins is sticking around, he's going to get the, the victory here? It's hard to say, really, because both these guys have been drafted to Raw, so they could easily cross paths again. But if I was to lean towards a winner here, I think it has to be Edge. I I disagree. I think should be Rollins that wins it. I think Edge can Edge can start again elsewhere, and then always look back round to Rollins. Whereas I I don't see where Rollins goes from here. Maybe you know after he lost the WWE title match to uh, to Drew McIntyre in twenty twenty, his Rey Mysterio feud just came from being unhinged. Because he lost that and couldn't deal with it. Maybe, maybe we go that direction again. But other than that, I don't see where he goes. But that's part of the fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope this main events because I think this match will be absolutely sensational. Mm, I don't know if it will main event. I think it might be the halfway match. You know, something to really sort of pique people's interests at you know at the halfway point, and then you cool down. Maybe have the I don't know. Maybe one of the the tournament finals happen next or have Mansur Ali afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you talked about a title that's definitely changing hands. Um, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair versus SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, and two of these women are on Raw, Dave. Yep. So... It, this is a no-brainer for me. If you're going to change this... If you're going to change a championship... It has to go to the only person in this match that has been drafted to SmackDown, and that is Sasha Banks. What they're going to do with her afterwards, I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, obviously Charlotte's been drafted to SmackDown as well. And I can't help but think, you know, she might make her presence known in this uh, in this match. Because obviously she's still the Raw Women's Championship after the Bianca Belair match on Raw, which she lost via DQ. So she still holds the title. Why do I get the impression that, you know, she might take the Raw Women's title with her over to SmackDown and then try and go for the SmackDown Women's title as well and be Charlotte Two Belts? It's an interesting theory, but I also think that with Survivor Series being the next pay-per-view, instead of a five-on-five women's match and then the two champions facing each other, I think you might have... Becky on Raw as the SmackDown Women's Champion, representing Raw, but defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against someone from SmackDown. And then Bianca and Sasha, eh, sorry, Sasha Banks. Charlotte Flair, said every other women's wrestler, bar the one I was looking for. Charlotte <laughs> Flair defending the Raw Women's Championship while representing SmackDown, taking on someone from Raw. Basically, the storyline is we want our titles back, you know, and we're going to we're going to get them, and that way you've got Survivor Series back in the Barclays Center, big show of the year, two big title changes on the show, maybe. Uh, but that sort of booking almost guarantees two title changes if they're going to go to the 
if the title representing the brand is going to go to someone who's representing the brand. Uh, I think it just seems like too obvious booking in that concept, but... Uh, oh, well, who, well, fuck you. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> I mean, who's to, say they, who's to say they just can't implement the wildcard rule again and have Charlotte still appear on Raw but lose the Raw women's title to, you know, to Becky or something at some point, you know, after she loses the SmackDown title to Sasha? I mean, maybe, you never know, you never know. I mean, you uh, can still have that fantasy match where Bianca becomes a two-time Rumble winner and faces Becky for the Raw title at Mania. Yeah, I mean, you could have Bianca become Miss Two-Time Royal Rumble winner. That was my fantasy booking. Hey, I don't mind um, a bit of a... Even if, like, you talked about Sasha winning, I don't mind an uneasy alliance of like having two champions on one show mm-hmm. and the women on one brand like fighting to like to like get the other titles back you know like even if you don't have the champion be champion and you have the Raw and Smackdown women's champions on one Survivor Series team but like can't exist both fighting their captain sort of like like Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin in 2019 well no I'm the captain no I'm the captain no I'm the captain I'm the captain uh-huh. Um, that sort of thing and then as you said someone from Raw can easily win the Royal Rumble and go across and say right back to Raw I want my title shot you know what I mean Mm -hmm. or or WWE being WWE and I think this would be the laziest of all lazy bookings is that they have Becky retain and then they meet and then she and Charlotte appear backstage and they say wait you're on opposite brands trade titles with each other kind of like what the New Day in the Street Profits did at the last draft I hated that so much. Yeah, well, just knowing no WWE, they could easily just do it again. I know. No, I, I just thought it was so... Because you could have easily had, like, obviously, instead of champion... You know, that big, massive 10-on-10 10 10 Survivor Series tag match they have with all the tag teams every year. Mm-hmm. No one likes it. Why not just have two good tag team title matches and you could have mm-hmm. done switches and then the people that lost the titles from the other brand who were still on, you know, the first brand, like New Day losing the SmackDown titles, where they could now be number one contenders to whoever won the Raw tag titles, you know what I mean? And vice versa with the Street Profits, you could have two ready-made stories. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, not too, I'm quite glad this match is taking place, especially in Saudi Arabia. Two women's matches on the card, which I think is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good bit of progress for WWE and a good bit of progress in Saudi Arabia. Which is, you know, WWE have said the goal is progression in the Middle East and, you know, trying to break down barriers. They're absolutely doing that here. Uh, we've talked about the first women's match. We'll go straight on to the second. Uh, the Queen's Crown Tournament final, Dewdrop versus uh, Selena Vega. The Queen's Crown Tournament, Dave, as good as Charlotte Flair has been in recent weeks, as good as the three women involved in the Triple Threat have been in recent weeks. These Queen Crown tournaments to show what everyone else can do in the division have been very, very poor, I think. It has been garbage. Like, I don't know what the the women's division has done to deserve this kind of treatment. Like, the longest match in the tournament thus far has been three minutes. And that was when uh, Piper Niven beat Natalia on Raw. Like, everything else, like... Dana Brooks, Shayna Baszler, 1 minute 25. Carmella Love Morgan, minute 40. Zelina Vega, Tony Storm, 2 minutes 10. 
Zelina Vega, Carmella, two minute forty. Shayna Baszler, Piper Niven, two minute forty five. It's it's a joke. Like this is a chance to showcase like all these other un- sort of undercard women, like you know what they're capable of. But they've just put all their eggs in one basket, you know, with three of the four horsewomen plus Bianca Belair, and they just don't seem to be putting in the time or effort to really showcase these women. It's it's almost we're almost swimming coming full circle to you know give divas a chance here but you know obviously you can't say divas now it's uh could you say give give the women a chance essentially yeah and that was uh, i think alexa bliss was quite vocal about this she was very upset that it was always the four horsewomen and you know these people were lauded as the hardest workers when alexa bliss said well actually in the training center no one outworks me and you know i could run circles around Emmys on promos and stuff like that. WWE does have a tendency to lean too much on these people and it is getting to the stage where, you know, remember for a while it was just John Cena, Randy Orton, Triple H. John Cena, Randy Orton, Triple H. You know, the title only, and then occasionally Batista and Edge would win it. And mm-hmm. then that was the only difference. And it is getting to that stage. Uh, let's talk about the combatants in the final. Zelina Vega, I know she's wanted a chance to show what she can do for a while. I think she would make a great Queen of the Ring, great heel King of the Ring, and great, um, just great all-round heel character. Yeah, uh, although she hasn't exactly lit the world on fire with her win-loss record since coming back, uh, this would certainly give her a, a much-needed booster shot when it comes to you know establishing herself as a heel character again. Although, Vince is very high on Piper Niven at the minute, apparently. So... I don't know if maybe that'll have a factor in, you know, maybe deciding the outcome here. But Piper Niven definitely arguably more accomplished than Zelina Vega in a number of ways. So adding the the Queen's crown to her, I think, would be pretty interesting. And should Ava Marie come back, you know, that's another... They can pick up that feud again right off the bat. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm just... Um, I'm sitting here thinking... Um... Who, who's Piper Niven, Dave? Dewdrop. Dude, oh, I do drop in the tournament final, and let's talk about that because you know what? I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> insert bleep here. Happy um, with that. Shayna Baszler. I know people were talking about short matches. Shayna Baszler should have had a road to the final, like you know, no, the way she ran through everyone. Mm-hmm. in the elimination chamber that should have been her road to to the queen's crown final and quite frankly i wouldn't have minded if in the final she just ragdolled zelina vega or whoever from the smackdown side she was facing however piper niven viper dewdrop whatever you want to call her Thank i've him. never been a fan i'm sorry i don't think she's as good as people make out there's nothing there to me that screams oh amazing great and to me a lot of the support from from British wrestling fans or from Scottish wrestling fans is that misguided I but she's for Scotland I, I don't care I don't I, I really don't care I, I, this comes up with people from Scotland every time something happens you know Scottish football teams playing in Europe I'm sorry, from my point of view, unless it's Rangers, I really don't care. A Scottish singer is doing well. 
great, good luck to them. But if I don't like their music, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to blindly follow them. <laughs> a Scottish actor is acting in films. I'm sorry if it's Gerard Butler. He's a prick. <laughs> you know, I mean, just... It's this misguided, let's support everything Scottish. No, let's get that tin pot nation mindset out of our heads. Dewdrop, ironically, is the most interesting she's been because she's this beaten down, you know, lackey who broke out from the shadows of someone who was who was holding her down and using her for her own self-worth. She found her own self-worth. She kept the name to show that, you know, it doesn't mean anything unless you make it mean anything, you know. So that's the most interesting she's ever been. Because I'm sorry, you know, people can talk about her being a staple of ICW. It's because ICW didn't want to employ any other women's wrestlers. They had yeah. three women's wrestlers that they used in rotation. And it, she didn't exactly set the heather on fire in NXT UK, so I'm sorry. I've never been a Viper, Piper Niven, Dewdrop fan. I'm not a fan of her now. And the fact that this Queen's Trick Crown tournament has been such a disappointment and the fact that, you know, we were so close to getting Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, it really just frustrates me that she's in this position. And, you know, maybe I'm ranting and taking a lot of my frustration of the tournament and Shayna Baszler's booking out on Piper Niven and maybe just the nation of Scotland as a whole. But I don't care because I'm not happy. And it's my show, so I'll rant if I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't hold anything back. Uh, but you know what? I somewhat, I'll agree with some of what you're saying because I think this tournament was, it was paved for a Shayna Baszler win. How she's not in the final right now is is baffling because, you know, ever since she broke away from Nia Jax, she's been on an absolute tear, taking out, obviously, Nia herself and then taking out Ava Marie, thank God. Um, but this this was hers to win. And she she even had a, a bit of a role, you know, assisting Sonya Deville at one point, who is a SmackDown authority figure. Like, can you imagine her, you know, the queen being supported with a, an authority figure? It, it writes itself and, you know, it puts her in a prime position to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. You know, something that she should have won all the way back at Mania 36 when she faced Becky. Like, why they won't pull the trigger on Shayna is is insane. I mean, you know, fair play to Zelina. You know, this, this puts her on the map finally after being very much under the radar since coming back. And, but I suppose there is a case to be made for Dewdrop, you know, to sort of make her way into the upper echelons as well because she's not you know your typical women's wrestler you know she's you know she's a plus size person and if you look at her accolades outside of wwe you know it's not just icw you know she's main evented Currican hall against io shirai i believe i like you know that's something not a lot of british british wrestlers let alone scottish wrestlers can say that they've done so she is massively accomplished but the wwe audience just needs to you know maybe appreciate her a little bit more get her some more screen time so this this tournament final could actually go either way uh, in determining a winner um i i i won't deny she's accomplished i won't deny she's done a lot i just i don't think she's as good as people make out and i really don't want to see her in this final, I really don't. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have minded if her match with Zelina was the final, because, sorry, her match with, well, her match with Zelina is the final, her match with Shayna was the final, but it wasn't, the bracket was very one-sided 
on mm. that raw side and it's been a poor tournament. Um, King of the Ring, not the worst tournament, not the best tournament, um, but we have two people in the final who I think a win could do wonders for. Xavier Woods, childhood dreams to win King of the Ring, Finn Balor, currently known as the Prince. I mean, there's a story there. I can't, I can't split them at this minute, Dave. I don't know mm. who's going to win it. Um, I think the sentimental choice is Woods, but just being a prick, just just being a total arse, I'd love Balor to start his heel turn by crushing the dreams of Xavier Woods. Yeah. Like, my head is saying Balor for this one. Woods is, is my heart saying it because... I don't know if you watch Up, Up, Down, Down or not, but there was a time when a certain Adam Cole was a member of the party and they played Uno every Wednesday and Woods was basically at the helm of it, you know, basically leading the the discussion and leading the games, etc. But every so every now and again, he would bring out this character where he puts on a robe, a crown, shades, and he holds a scepter. And he doesn't refer to himself as the king. He refers to himself as da. Kanga. and I really hope that if he wins the King of the Ring tournament he will go around uh, essentially as this character Da Kang but WWE being WWE I think I'm leaning slightly towards Balor and as you said maybe possibly doing a heel turn uh, I, I, I wouldn't mind the King of the Ring thing and, you know, maybe a storyline there where Woods gets a shot at Roman Reigns for the WWE title, you know, and for the Universal title, sorry. Um, Kofi basically saying, no, don't use it for, don't use the shot for tag titles. We've won plenty of those. Use it mm-hmm. to get your shot, you know, because two of them have been world champions. One of them hasn't. I don't think he should win the world title, but it would be nice to see him get a world title shot. Mm. Balor could get him back in the title picture and, of course, him crushing the dreams of Xavier Woods and then going to Raw, where the WWE type champion could be Big E. It, that's a story set up right there. And, of course, mm. they don't need to jump right into it. They don't need to jump right into it because they do have Survivor Series coming up. Yep. They, they might have it for day one, actually, because yeah. obviously TLC's been cancelled. Yeah, so, but that's the thing. No, I never liked a December pay-per-view. It just kind of got in the way. <laughs> aye, aye. Besides, it's, uh, you need to cancel everything because the only party that's happening this December is my 30th. So make sure you, you save the God date. <laughs> I'm not coming just for that. See when the invites go out? Like, <laughs> you come to Dave's 30th? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. I'll, um, I'll make sure the date's convenient for everyone. <laughs> Um, we move on to what else have we got? We've got Mansoor versus Mustafa Ali. Uh, Mustafa Ali, just a wee quick note, is giving his fee for the match to charity. Um, very nice thing to do. And typical Saudi Arabia pay per view. Mansoor has to get on. Mansoor is quite likable as a character. I think he's came away from this just. Hi, I'm from Saudi Arabia, and I'm going to be wrestling character. He is a he is a you know he has a character on TV now, but it's going to be another Mansoor win, isn't it? 
oh, listen, if Mansoor is wrestling in Saudi Arabia, he's winning. Doesn't matter if it's one-on-one, doesn't matter if it's a 50-man battle royal, he is winning. Like, and He's the exception yeah. to the hometown rule, isn't he? Yeah, he, like, he always wins. Uh, not just his hometown, his home country. Like he could fa- he could go in Riyadh, he could be in Jeddah. Doesn't matter if Mansoor is on, on the Saudi show, he is winning. Uh, just added to the pre-show, I think just a case of something for the pre-show. Hurt business versus the Usos. An easy Uso win there. Yeah, I think because obviously Cedric's been on the losing end against Mansoor this past week on Raw. Uh, I mean, it's good to see the Hurt business back together, but you know at least do something with them after this. You know, put put them with Lashley again after the Goldberg feud. Yeah, and that does lead us on to our final match. Goldberg versus Lashley. I'm I'm quite looking forward to this. I'm sorry. I won't apologise. I'm a Goldberg fan. I love everything about Goldberg. Um, I still live in the 90s. So <laughs> even though it's 2021 and he's absolutely terrible now, I still get buzzing whenever he shows up. Uh, the stipulations would save this one because, you know, at least it won't be like a well. I hope I hope it won't be a squash in this case. You know, at least they can, you know, disguise you know any getting gassed or you know running out of stamina too quickly. You know, just hide it with weapons essentially. And it's I hope Lashley focuses on Goldberg's knee again, given that that's what took ended the match via referee stoppage at SummerSlam. So if there's a story to be told there, then it has to happen that way. Maybe Gage will make an appearance, given that there's a, it's, it's an ODQ stipulation. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's potential for sheer anarchy here, but I can see a Goldberg win this time around. Yeah, I think it, it's an, he's another one in Saudi Arabia. Well, no, actually, no, he, I mean, he's, one, he's one for two in Saudi Arabia. And he did beat the Fiend and won the Universal title there. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> but um, so that covers that. Um, I'm just looking for the Bound for Glory card here because we'll get two pay-per-views this week. And um, I don't know if you saw back at Slammiversary, they did um, uh Hold on a minute. <coughs> Excuse me, listener. <clears throat> they did a promo where they showed Bound for Glory and the Impact sign, and then the AAA sign, then like the sign of all different promotions. Basically, every promotion that isn't WWE, they showed. So there is, there could be some uh, Forbidden Door shenanigans mm-hmm. uh, in the lead up to it. Sorry, I'm just getting the card here. Samstown, Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. The casino where my favourite Killers album is named after. I'm actually quite worried <laughs> about that. Yeah. Uh, the, main, the main title match on that show, uh, Christian Cage defending against Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander cashing in his option C. Um, I, I like how they've built Josh Alexander. I've been quite vocal about how I think Ethan Page made a mistake joining AEW and Josh Alexander has done nothing but benefit from it. Um, Christian Cage, great to see him back in AEW. He didn't really like the world on fire though in AEW. His AEW Championship match with Christian wasn't as good as their Impact match. I'm hoping that this leads to Christian being back in Impact full-time instead of AEW because I think he gets lost in the shuffle there. Whereas here he is a main event talent. 
Um, so for that reason, my heart's torn. I'd love TNA to go, or sorry, Impact to go all in with the homegrown talent. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I love that Christian's back. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Christian has more of a presence on Impact, given you know he's an established veteran. He's uh, he was a decorated TNA champion back when it was you know TNA, uh, and I think he's he's in a good position, you know, to really, really like be at a good sort of measuring stick for all these up and coming talents. You know, I've heard you guys talk about Josh Alexander in the past. You know, he's de- the guy's definitely got you know, a bright future ahead of him and, you know, cashing in the option C, you know, for the Impact World title. It's a, it's a very straightforward, you know, move to make in TNA. So, and when you've got the undercard, you know, especially guys in the X division, like any guy that competes in the X division usually has the potential to move on to a world title feud. Maybe and the rest of the card, the rest of that division is really fitted with you know young and up and coming undercarders etc. That can pull off some insane moves. So it's a definitely it's a well balanced card that we're looking at here with an established veteran at the helm. Right. Well, what I'm going to do, Dave, you've talked about um, we've talked about the world championship match. I'm going to run through the card, and you can tell me what you're looking forward to, and we can talk about some of the matches you know, that we're really looking forward to it. We can leave the other matches we're not too sure of. So um, the Good Brothers are going to defend their Impact World Tag Team Championship against either the team of Finn Juice or the team of Bullet Club, Chris Bay and Hileku or Hikulio. 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 Is that how you spell it? Or uh, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think that's it. Oh, where's David Campbell? You need him. I know, the fake the fake uh, Japanese wrestling expert. Anyway, <laughs> Violet by Design versus Heath Slater and a mystery partner. Decay, Havoc and Rosemary uh, defending the Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championship against the Inspiration, the former Iconics, now loners Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay, uh, Trey Miguel, Steve McLean and El Fantasmo in a triple threat match for the vacant Impact X Division Championship, Rich Swan, Brian Myers, Moose, W. Morrissey, Chris Sabin and 15 other to-be-announced competitors in a call-your-shot gauntlet match. The winner receives a trophy and a contract they can invoke any time within one year for a championship match of their choosing. Diana Perrazzo versus Mickey James in a singles match for the Impact Knockouts Championship. And on the pre-show, John Schuyler, Crazy Steve, Falabar, Jordan Gracie, Chelsea Green and Tennille Dashwood in a tournament final intergender six-way match for the inaugural Impact Digital Media Championship. Uh, quite a lot to unpack there, Dave. Uh, the mm-hmm. floor is yours. <laughs> Well, um, obviously the inaugural Impact Digital Media Champion is something that sticks out straight away. Um, I'm assuming that this is just going to be, you know, it could be men or women that can hold it. It's kind of like, but I get the feeling it's going to be reduced to nothing more than a 24-7 style championship, you know, something that could change hands, but it can only be defended in matches, I believe. So it's, yeah, this will be a, an interesting one. And looking at the, I reckon it's going to be one of the women that are going to win it because I've seen... Jordan Grace, you know, she's been her, she's been very active on Instagram showing her workout routines, you know, with the deadlifts, etc. She's certainly got a chance. You've got the the hot mess, Chelsea Green, you know, is certainly a bit of a erratic personality. Then you obviously have the the established veteran Tennille Dashwood. Certainly uh I, th- I think it's going to be one of those two that's going to win that one. But what I'm actually most looking forward to is um Probably the Collier Shot Gauntlet match. 
I mean, because if you if you get twenty people in a gauntlet match, like this, this is the recipe for all out anarchy. And to, I think it's either going to be one of those five guys you first announced with the fifteen TBA competitors, probably either just fill in the the gaps. But if I was to choose out of those five to win that match, I would actually give it to Morrissey. You know, because I think we've discussed before, you know, how Morrissey's made a, a, an amazing comeback given his, he's been off dealing with some demons, etc. This would be a great way, you know, to really sort of make him a one to watch with a, a guaranteed championship match somewhere down the line. The Deonna Perrazzo, Mickey James is another one. Like I've always been a fan. Like I've been a fan of Diona Perazzo ever since she, you know, got out of the NXT bubble, and you know, essentially made her made herself a, a household name in Impact, going up against Mickey James, someone who's you know been wrestling since forever now. Uh, and this is a feud that's obviously went back a few months. You know, we had the NWA uh, All Women's Show where I think they teased it, teased the feud at some point, and it's only fitting that it's on Impact's biggest show of the year. But I think. The group chat has actually been talking a lot about the inspiration, about how they're coming over to to Impact, uh, challenging for the Knockouts tag titles. I think I think it'd be stupid not to have them win the tag titles at this point because they were vastly wasted in WWE. Like WWE could have, you know, done something, you know, make women's tag wrestling something to watch. You know, at least give give them a reason to watch female competitors and highlight, you know, how just how good they are. And but this is the chance we know Impact's going to pick up the pieces and hopefully just run with it because they're two very very entertaining people. If you've listened to their podcast, and yeah, I like I really hope they get the break in Impact when they should have got it in WWE. Yeah, I agree. Um, it has been they they have become sort of not crossover stars like mainstream media crossover stars you know we're not saying that they're on the same level as the likes of Brock and John Cena but they have become sort of the the wrestlers you keep an eye on even if you don't watch that promotion like they are still they are still draws and Bound for Glory is where casual fans come back in so I think I think bringing them in for this show is a really smart move, and I think having them win the Impact's tag title on their debut would be nothing short of phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they could easily do a Forbidden Door thing with AEW as well. You know, imagine them going up against like you know Brett Baker and Jamie Hayter, for example. Like, how how great would that be? Yeah, some really good match. And you talked about the Forbidden Door. Um, I so obviously I'm, I'm reading this um, card off Wikipedia. Impact does tape ahead of time. I am trying to avoid um, spoiling the show for anyone who hasn't seen this week's Impact. But fifteen to be announced competitors. They could be announced on Impact, or they could be fifteen Forbidden Door competitors. Mm. They might not all be Forbidden Door competitors. You might have some of Impact's undercard on there, but then again, the roster isn't as stacked compared to like WWE or AEW. But yeah, there, there certainly is potential for any free agents or... Oh, actually, now that I've just said free agents, I mean, what are the chances that you know we could get a, a massive shock in the Call Your Shot gauntlet? 
Who have, you, who are you thinking of? <laughs> well, there have been rumours that big Adam Sher has been in talks with Impact Wrestling, but that nothing seems to be finalised at this stage. Uh, Buddy Matthews might be an option as well, but I think he's um, he's going to be going to New Japan uh, for his next sort of big venture. Uh, Bray Wyatt might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, I, 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 I had Bray Wyatt as an option, but I was reading on last week's Central that his no-compete clause expires three days after Bound for Glory. Ah, so he, yeah, so it'd be three days too early. Aye, unfortunately so. All right, so I, I guess we can rule him out in that case. <laughs> yes, but um, obviously the New Japan Forbidden Door, uh, the relationship with New Japan, which is being mended, by Don Callis after, uh, you know, uh, mid-2000s, TNA just completely, well, let's be honest, completely ruined it, you know, having Okada um, basically play the Green Hornet's sidekick on TV. (laughs) Not only a bit racist stereotyping, but a bit stupid as well, considering you see what Okada went on to do. Um, (laughs) But with the New Japan relationship, we could see some New Japan uh, pro wrestling people there. And obviously there is a lot of free agents out there, a lot of good people that aren't signed to anywhere else. I mean, Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, he isn't signed to Impact Wrestling. He's sort of working as a free agent, but he does have a working relationship with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up there. Aye, because, you know, he's been going on around the the sort of independent circuit as well. I think uh, he was on GCW lately and he beat Nick Gage. Yes, uh, he was, um, he was basically like that. He was playing up to being the WWE guy and, and a world that basically wasn't meant for WWE guys. Mm -hmm. And he, he went full, um, he went full arsehole. Um, he dressed up as he dressed up as Vince McMahon and his ECW title. Uh, oh, his ECW title run. It was. Did he wear a durag? Brilliant. Yes, he wore the durag and everything. Jeez, oh. oh, I'm just uh, impact. Sorry, final participant added to Impact inaugural Digital Media Championship match. So that was uh, Neil Dashwood. Uh, so Impact has been taped, so we are up to date, um, and it looks like it will be 15 mystery people uh, mm-hmm. in the Bound for Glory Gauntlet Battle Royal. There you go. There we are. Um wee bit of weird news this week. Uh, <laughs> Rhea Ripley had her ring gear stolen. Um, if you're that person, you're weird. Um, <laughs> Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, has had to go undergo emergency surgery. Uh, it doesn't say what for. Duggan's wife Deborah took to Facebook this morning, posted a photo of her husband in the hospital saying he was undergoing an emergency operation for an undisclosed issue. Uh, she just put back where we don't want to be. Please pray for Jim and his doctors as he has emergency surgery this morning. Thank you, Deborah. Um, yeah, best well, of luck, Hacksaw. Hacksaw. 
Yeah, best of luck to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, Sorry, can I can I just talk about the the Rhea Ripley story actually? Because it was actually it's actually pretty hilarious what happened afterwards. Uh, uh, so just to put it into context, uh, the day the day before it happened, like she uh, it was her birthday the past uh, few days, and she got a whole bunch of friends together, and it was all all over Instagram, etc. There was a couple of. Yeah, WWE people there. Braun Strowman was there. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez was there. Cross and Scarlett were both there. Like, uh, but yeah, I imagine that's when the that's when our gear was necked. It's like has a has a birthday party and then back to back to work as usual. But there was a a video of her on WWE's Instagram page uh, where they were doing a live event in El Paso. And she still comes out to compete. She's not holding her championship, obviously, because that's gone. But for her ring gear, you know, it's not that much different to what she would normally wear. Instead, she comes out wearing a sports bra and a pair of tights uh, owned by Damien Priest. <laughs> and it's I mean, that's understandable because the two of them are like great friends in real life, along with Matt Riddle. Uh and you know the way Rhea wears her ring gear, you know she wears them like you know sort of halfway up her upper rib cage and stuff. It's, <laughs> I mean, somebody that tall as Damian Priest, you know, would his gear would actually suit her down to the wire because it's got all the it has that sort of gothic vibe about it with the chains, etc. And she just carried on as if nothing was wrong. So I mean, make the most of a bad situation. And WWE, I think, even shared it on their website. Have you um, have you ever heard the? It's a rumored story. It's never been confirmed, but it is a, a long-standing rumor about the Undertaker's gear as uh, Survivor Series two thousand. Uh, what was uh, what was he wearing at that year's? So he's the American badass, but he comes out with like print, like not floral print, print, but like like. I'm going to tell you who they were rumored to belong to, and then you can you can dis, you can picture them for yourself because the image comes straight to you. But they were like sort of pimp style pants, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, I know who they belong to. Yeah, the rumor was that um, either Undertaker's trunks, sorry, tights were stolen, or he forgot to pack them. So he gets to the arena. He doesn't have tights. Undertaker, no big deal, but he's in the WWE Championship match that night against Kurt Angle, and no one that had a spare pair of tights was his size, all except for the Godfather, Charles Wright. And the Godfather had his old Godfather-style tights. He was playing the good father at this point, so he Mm. couldn't wear them. He had to stay in the whole right-to-censor get-up, which meant Undertaker had to wear Godfather's pimp-style, old-school Godfather um, tights uh, to the ring. Uh, it's never been confirmed if it was true or not, but that is the long-standing rumour that it was Charles Wright's, because like no one, because like, like the likes of Kane, who would have been Undertaker size, he had like just a one, like, a, a onesie sort onesie, of thing. Yeah. yeah, not a onesie, but you know what? Like I'm yeah. calling it a onesie. Um, and on it just it stands out something awful, and the commentators just don't mention it. Like the fans are all looking like, "What the fuck is he wearing?" <laughs> it's like um, 
it's like blue tista almost like nobody like the commentators don't <laughs> bat an eye and yet um the fans are like um they were i think they posted it on twitter it was like hashtag blue tista it was like dave we were supposed to wear black today not blue <laughs> Um, speaking of new looks, um, Carrion Cross has posted a picture on Instagram um, of himself looking very Agent Forty Seven y without the. He's he's got a like, sort of three all over. He's wearing a suit. He's at Car- Scarlet Eye. Scarlet stood next to him in a cocktail dress. He looks he looks amazing. By the way, he does look amazing. I think the. The rumour was that his new gimmick was going to be a sort of cool, calm and collected guy who is a bit of a psycho, like it turns at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. Um, Rumours were that Scarlet wasn't going to be with him, but in these photos, uh, she's standing beside him. Could just be publicity photos that they maybe had took, but it looks great. And hey, if this is going to be, if she's going to be like his Lana, you know, I'm all for it. I, he, you know, anything to get him away for that stupid helmet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Get, get rid of the, the whole, um, sort of bondage looking gear that he's wearing at the minute. Like what he had in NXT, you know, that gladiator style, uh, kilt when he won the NXT title from Balor. Like that's, that's okay. But when you add the bloody cross braces and stuff, it, it just looks ridiculous. I mean, but if, yeah, I think the character reinvention is probably something he needs. Uh, you know, get rid of the the Fallen Prey style music because it worked for him in NXT. It doesn't work for him now. And for the love of God, please, please have Scarlett as his manager because they're much yeah. better as a duo. Yeah, I think so. One without the other, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work too. It, it could work, but the fact that they were so integral to each other, seeing one without the other is quite weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexa Bliss has been teasing a a character shift. Uh, she tweeted out on Monday uh, a gif showing all the character transformations that she's overwent uh, over the years. Rumours are that she is going to ditch the sort of, let's just call it what it is, Bray Wyatt's gimmick um, mm-hmm. and go back to her original sort of Alexa Bliss gimmick. I hope she does. Uh, and I've seen a couple of running jokes on Twitter about this. Uh, I don't. I can't remember. Has she been drafted to SmackDown or is she still on Raw? I know the joke you're talking about. She yeah, unfortunately I, she's been drafted to Raw. Damn it! Uh, I was going to say she she just had a bad case of the Mondays, but um, uh, no, I can't use that joke now. So that's a shame. <laughs> um, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, the former Bray Wyatt, has been teasing a. Uh, a, a team with a top Ring of Honor star, uh, Danhausen. Is that how you pronounce his name? Danhausen? Uh, I think Dan so, Housen. yeah. The weird guy with the face paint. Basically, he's teased uh, an alliance. Uh, what was it? Um, they would like... some. One fan tweeted that they would like to see uh, Danhausen versus Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt tweeted, we should unite instead. How very evil of us. <laughs> um, and fair enough, Ring of Honor, Bray Wyatt. Certainly a, certainly an out there one. Um, mm. You could certainly lead the way in Ring of Honor. Yeah, and now to a, a news story, which I'm, I'm sick of talking about. I really am. Uh, 
it involves ratings and demos and oh yeah uh, it's the it's the Monday night sorry the Wednesday night sorry they've moved to Tuesday but they've moved to Friday but now it's not a Friday night war because they're on an hour after but wait there's going to be an overlap yeah it's <laughs> it's the it's the it's all in tone at Can's head war hmm like, why is he making a big deal of, you know, the bloody, you know, demo war or whatever it is and stuff? Uh, like, Bischoff and Booker T, you know, have come out and saying he's moving the goalposts, he's comparing himself to Ted Turner, etc. He's being ignorant. Like, I think he needs to stop, you know, ranting on about, you know, the ratings war and stuff. Just focus on making AEW the best product ever. Stop stop spending all your energy bashing your competition and just, yeah, just focus on your own product and people will appreciate that. Like, WWE rarely mention, like, 99 times out of 100 don't mention AEW when they're doing their own thing. And I, I respect them for that. You know, they, they're sticking to their, their plan, even if it is the, sh- like, you know, not exactly the most popular plan in the world, but... And, you know, a lot of the 18 to 49 demographic do seem to prefer AEW, but don't make a big song and dance about it. You know, just you quietly pat yourself on the back and just keep doing what you're doing. There's no point in, because when you start bragging about it, you get overconfident. And then before you know it, you'll end up in the same position that WCW was uh, during the Monday Night Wars. Right. So the, the thing, um, I'm looking at the numbers here and it's like, AW beat SmackDown, right? Hold on, right. So the, the thing here says SmackDown's final viewership came in at eight six six, sorry, eight hundred sixty six thousand, while AW Rampage drew a total viewership of fifty seven uh, five hundred seventy eight thousand, uh, according to Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. SmackDown drew three hundred fourteen thousand. Uh, Fuck's sake. I'm going to start this again. <laughs> See, this is how boring it is, guys. I'm leaving this in so you know how boring it is. Right. SmackDown's final viewership came in at 866,000. Uh, wait, 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 866,000. I, I know, I know. 866,000. Well, AEW Rampage drew a total viewership of 578,000. Uh, according to Brandon Thurston of Rationomics, Three hundred and fourteen thousand uh, in the eighteen to forty-nine demographic. Well, Rampage came in at nearly identical three hundred and thirteen thousand. Right, that, to that, that to me shows SmackDown winning twice. Uh, SmackDown ranked number three for the night on cable, while Rampage came in just befi- behind at number four. Uh, Fox Sports One is available in approximately ten million fewer homes than TNT. So that that to me doesn't say AEW one. That to me says SmackDown get moved because of the baseball to a different channel. They didn't draw as much as they usually draw, and then and shows that are on a show that is on a channel with ten million more viewers still didn't beat it. Like apparently. Apparently, Roman and Brock segment and Ali and the Bunny segment apparently drew level. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then people are like, oh, well, with drew level, it didn't win. Oh, but AEW won because it was adverts. But what? 
Or people only watch SmackDown during the adverts. Like, shut up. Shut up. And anyway. just let us watch the damn wrestling. Like, stop uh, making this a bloody, you know, ratings war. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think AEW <laughs> is competition to WWE in America alone, I think. And the reason I say that is, you know, Tony Khan has as much money as Vince McMahon. I think his family have more money than Vince McMahon. The thing here is, we're talking about international ratings, you know, sorry, United States ratings. Internationally, you know, SmackDown, Raw and NXT are all available on BT Sport Live. They... The highlights are on Channel 5 to free to view TV, whereas mm-hmm. the only way to view AW for free in the UK is to watch it on the channel that shows Love Island after it shows classic Love Island repeats at 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. You know what I mean? Um, you know, the UK TV deal that they, they brag so much about fell mm-hmm. through. Like it was an, It's something that people don't talk about. AW's UK TV deal was a failure. It's it still, absolute... Yeah, it's still difficult to watch in the UK given that, you know, it airs like three days too late. Yeah, and, you know, if you follow AEW on Twitter, they, they tell you, much like WWE, they, they are very social media conscious. They tweet the entire show, so it's impossible to avoid spoilers, especially if you're you know doing stuff like us where we're trying to research or gather information for shows for the week, you know. It's an absolute pain. Um, and in the international market, it's nowhere, it, it doesn't touch WWE, you know, it's WWE's biggest competitor in the US uh-huh. and possibly the United Kingdom. But, you know, AEW's just, obviously they haven't been able to get over here because of the pandemic, but they've been doing a lot of the, the Triple H thing, which is Triple H for years was very good whenever they came over to the UK of hanging the, yeah, we'd love to bring a pay-per-view to the United Kingdom. And then all of a sudden that got WWE loads of press coverage because it would be WWE is going to bring a pay-per-view to, um, to the United Kingdom when WWE had no intention of bringing a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And then the next line would say, Triple H mentioned us while plugging, and it tells you everything Triple H was plugging. So WWE, free advertisement just by dangling this wee carrot. Tony <laughs> Khan's been doing the same. You know, oh, we'd love, we, we, we're going to bring a pay-per-view to uh, the UK. We're going to bring a pay-per-view to the UK. Like, mm-hmm. Kill Tony! Don't tell me about it. Do it. Do it when obviously restrictions that <laughs> are out of his hands have stopped that. But you know, when you Aye. do it, I'll care. Just don't don't shout about it. Just look WWE. I'll do it when you care. Uh, and obviously, you mentioned Booker T and um, Eric Bischoff saying he's moving the goalpost. Um, Eric Bischoff on the eighty-three weeks in a row podcast has told Tony Khan and AEW wrestlers to shut the fuck up and stop pretending you're going head to head with WWE. <laughs> Tony's apparently claimed that he's at the WCW 1996 stage and in brackets won't make the same mistakes WCW made. Bischoff responded by saying Tony's inventing his own mistakes and by 1996 let me remind you I was kicking WWE's ass in a real head to head not a cosplay head to head. I just I, I like AEW as a product, see when I sit down and watch it, I'm very rarely disappointed, whereas I am, like, with SmackDown, I'm never disappointed, I don't really feel, whereas 
on Raw, I'm always disappointed with WWE, if, if that makes sense. Raw's been good the past few weeks, but there's been things that still disappoint me. The three-hour runtime, I think, hinders it. Mm-hmm. AEW, I feel I thoroughly enjoy when I watch it. What puts me off is this... It is this whole ratings thing, and it is this Tony Khan thing, and it just it annoys the life out of me. It really does. And listen, I'm I'm happy to listen to somebody criticise WWE, and I will openly criticise WWE's mistakes. But I don't like it when we do this thing, which is, haha, let's criticise WWE's mistake. Okay, well, what about this mistake? I but WWE did this. Aye, I'm not I'm not disputing that WWE didn't do something, or WWE did do something. I'm bringing up the fact that this happened in another company and it's it's a toxic it's a, it's a sort of talk it's a holier than now I'm better than you this this wrestling's better than your wrestling you're wrong for liking that wrestling fan base and I think Tony Khan does encourage it and it it really just it really annoys me yeah no I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there like if you're going to criticize a wrestling promotion you know and if the if two companies make the same mistake, call them out for it. Don't say, "Oh, well, that's okay. AEW's done it, but AEW's cool. We like them. You know, they can get away with anything." But uh, look at those idiots in WWE. They don't know their audience. Like they're like they're making an arse of it, like left, right, and center. But no, I hate that. No, if you're gonna criticize uh, any promotion for the same mistake, make sure you hit everybody on the head with it. Like, don't. Uh, it, there's just too much favoritism and bias you know, towards people, like, towards companies that fans think, you know, like, oh, that is real wrestling. This is what real fans want and stuff. And I was like, shut up. Like, WWE has a massive draw with families and young people. You know, it has to be kid-friendly in some capacity because they've got uh, partnerships with schools, with charities. They're making movies. Uh, But they want... They need to have their in-ring action cater to everybody like they want to see some good competition it doesn't have to be you know uh massively you know like massive swearing or overly sexualized stuff it just has to be you know good wrestling because that's why we're wrestling fans we want to see good wrestling and AEW hits it on the head every single time but they're they're going to alienate their audience if all they do is just you know took their horn about how they're doing better than the competition. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, last story before we, we wrap up here. Um, WWE seriously con- uh, considering a push for Montez Ford. Uh, as reported by Give Me Sport, Ford's SmackDown main event against Roman Reigns was viewed as a trial for him as a singles wrestler, which he said to have passed with flying colours. Also remember in the feud with the Street Profits and Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins aired an absolute amazing match with Seth Rollins on an episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly a talented singles guy. Clearly sky's the limit for him. Really do think there's more to do for the Street Profits though at this stage. I'd rather not have them split them up because Monte, eh, sorry, Angelo Dawkins, you know, we all remember the curse of greatness um, mm-hmm. gimmick he had in NXT. He floundered and, you know, eventually when he found Montez Ford and the two of them got together, they've, they've been great. You know, they've been NXT Tag Team Champions, they've been WWE Tag Team Champions, sorry, Raw Tag Team Champions, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Um, 
I just don't want to see him flounder or, you know, become, you know, the tucker of the of the group, you know, just where they break up, turn one heel, but have nothing planned for them. Yeah, it's that's my biggest worry about Montez getting pushed as a single star is that, okay, but what are you supposed to do with Angelo Dawkins? I, and I'm sure I'd seen some, uh, some jokes online about... Uh, well, in light of Montez getting a, a singles push, we would like to wish Angelo Dawkins all the best in his future endeavours. <laughs> but I, I really, no, in, in all seriousness, I really hope it doesn't come to that because the Dawkins has a, a a lot of talent behind him. And, you know, maybe he can break out as a singles guy as well in some capacity. But obviously Montez Ford, definitely the, the most charismatic of the two. And the guy can go like nobody's business in the ring. If he is going to break out as a single star, though, I think he needs to change up his gimmick slightly, you know, try and shake off the street profits, you know, have him sort of break out, you know, his own gear, his own music, that kind of thing. That's kind of what separates yeah. Biggie from the New Day nowadays, but he's still part of the New Day. So if they can do say, that... Sorry, I'd, I'd keep the street profit stuff with a fold, the, the music and the, the gear... If you're going to break them up, I think it's Dawkins that needs to change because he needs a dramatic, like, don't remind people I was part of the Street Profits because I think Ford is going to speak for himself in ring and on promos, whereas Dawkins, good on promos, not as good as Ford in the ring. Big powerhouse guy, I think he needs to sort of embrace that and have a change, whereas I think if Ford keeps the, keeps the music in that, I still think it can be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I think Dawkins needs a bit of a, a rejig, you know, to make him, to separate him from Ford, but Ford can still keep the momentum of the profits going, kind of like when Roman kept the shield gear and the and the music when he broke off from the rest of the other guys. Yeah, they're just, um, apparently there's speculation that they undertake it. So I said last show, but I'm I'm now getting a bunch of breaking news coming to me. Uh, as of an hour ago, severe speculation that the Undertaker could be at Crown Jewel tomorrow. No official information about his status yet, but um, do you see Undertaker being there? For God's sake, let the man retire in peace. Like, <laughs> I don't care if, you know, this, the Saudi Crown Prince is offering him, you know, like 20 million or something. Like, to do another match he's had he's passed it now uh, you know let him film like another interactive netflix show with the new day or something like he's he's retired it's done let it go yeah um keith lee could now be known as just bearcat lee yeah i wasn't too keen on the, the nickname bearcat at first but when you realize it was that was actually the nickname of the first ever black world champion it actually has some significance behind it so i'm more accepting of it uh, nowadays yeah, no, I know. Um, and of course, uh, Kevin Owens apparently set for a character rejig. Um, I'd like to see him go heel and run the United States title division because I think there's more there's more to work with on Raw because it's a three-hour show. There's a bigger roster and Kevin Owens with Damien Priest. It's a feud we've never seen before. I'd be, I'd be into mm. that. I'd like to see that, definitely. I know, seeing him, not just Stunner, Priest, but if he could bring up the pop-up powerbomb again, you know, he put Sami Zayn out of action using it on the ring apron and, you know, we used it to defeat John Cena as well. Like, if he if he brings up the pop-up powerbomb 
I would like to see him use it, him use it more often, not just piggyback off the stunner. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, well, hold on, sorry. I keep saying last story, and then you keep reminding. <laughs> you keep getting more news. Yeah, yeah. It's been a hectic week. Um, so, and I'm just seeing that photo online of uh, Rhea Ripley wearing Damien Priest gear in a sports bra. <laughs> um, <laughs> funny, isn't it? It is quite funny. It's a good one. Um, yeah. So Becky Lynch was asked recently, "Why are you using the rock bottom?" And she just said, "Well, I asked the rock, and I said I could." So that was a pretty straightforward explanation. <laughs> that I asked the rock. I mean, if you're going to use the rock bottom, and the rock himself has said yes, I, I, I don't think anyone else should have a problem with. <laughs> I don't think anything's more valuable these days than the rock's approval. Exactly, exactly. And it never will be. And on that note, on the great one note, um, we're going to wrap up for the week. Um, just remember, uh, if you want to listen back to any of our other shows, uh, reviews, interviews, news and everything, reviews, previews, interviews and news, that's it. I couldn't, Try I couldn't get it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm, Honestly, it's been a busy week with work in uni. I'm absolutely just mentally frazzled. <laughs> I'm glad That's I got through idea. this. Like my new job's really, uh, really making me work. <laughs> I know it's a bastard when work makes you work into it. Um, ah, yeah. Work making you work, work concept. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Uh, at Suplex Retweet, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Don't forget, a lot of uh, Quiz Showdown, Clash of the Titans coming out this Sunday. Book It, King of the Ring special coming out Thursday. Uh, obviously, I talked about our news, previews, reviews and everything else. Our latest show looks back at the feud of AJ Lee and uh, Paige. And of course, we have a Mount Ru- another Mount Rushmore series coming up. Um, what, what, what's this one? Uh, it's the Mount Rushmore of Managers. We recorded it yesterday and it will be coming out next Tuesday. Well, there you are, Mount Rushmore managers, and of course we do have a Mount Rushmore um, of tag teams, women's wrestlers, male wrestlers. Is there other ones? NXT. Mount Rushmore of NXT and much more. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Enjoy Crown Jewel, enjoy Bound for Glory, enjoy whatever wrestling you want, and don't let weird little men in offices who worry about ratings spoil it and make it toxic for you. Have a good time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.